Hello, this is Alex. And this is Lena. And this is Getting Mouthy. One more Tree Hill podcast. Well, hello, Lena. Hello, Alex. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. It's Christmas Eve as we are recording this. Isn't that crazy? Listen to us. We never stop working. <laughs> I know. We are dedicated to Tree Hill. We are dedicated. So we actually have a few hours left until Christmas, actually. So let me be the first to say Merry Christmas, Lena. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I mean, we've spent all day together. We have opened several Christmas gifts already because we're children who cannot control our <laughs> consumption of gifts, of course. Well, what can we say? We're, in fact, using some Christmas gifts right now, aren't we? Well, we are. It just so happens that my beautiful, lovely wife thinks that we don't sound very good during the podcast. <laughs> well. So she got some podcast equipment to see if it helps out. And I do think it sounds better, but we're still working on it. We're still working on it, right. Like, we might take a little while to get everything in order, but it's working pretty well, we think, so far. I do think that we're heading in the right direction, let's say. It's an improvement, and that's what we're looking for, right? That is all we can do. You want to constantly grow as a person. Which my body does continuously. But And here we are, though, as professional podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, Lena, we are on episode 11. The living one, years. The I'm living sorry. years. I apologize for interrupting. Are you excited about One Tree Hill? Uh, always. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Let's get into it. Are you ready to give a synopsis, Alex? I can absolutely try. But full disclosure, I haven't seen this episode in over a week, so it's a little tricky for me to remember what happened. Yeah, we watched this episode thinking, oh, tomorrow, you know, the next day we will record. But that is not what happened. <laughs> so we have our notes, thankfully, but my God, neither of us are prepared. So this recorded before the last episode came out, didn't it? The timing has been as confusing for us as it is to follow on the show. Let's just put it that way. Well, honestly, let's see what happens. Okay, sounds good I'm to gonna, me. I looked at my notes for the very first line, and I'm going to guess the rest. Okay, let's see what happens. Because it starts out with family therapy. Dan, Nathan, and Deb. They go to family therapy to try to work things out. And from there, other things happen. <laughs> Nathan is growing with Haley, the relationship. They skip school, I believe. Right. Yeah, and he goes to the, takes her to the beach, and she's okay with it. I don't care. Let's do it. YOLO. Yep. She pukes on Dan's pants, which is amazing. That is amazing. And, and deserved. Lucas, I don't, oh, this is where Peyton's dad comes back. Fuck yeah, it is. Larry. Larry, Larry. Sawyer. His name's Larry? Yeah, his name's Larry. That's his name. It's I a basic-ass name, isn't it? Well, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. I just, I wouldn't name a TV character Larry. Isn't there someone named Larry Rudolph? Who is that? I don't know. It sounds, the person sounds very familiar to me in my mind. I don't know. I don't know anybody named Larry. That's okay. Either way. Yeah. Point is, Peyton's dad's back. He's on the road constantly. People always leave. But here comes Lucas. Comics in hand. Look at this, Larry. This is about you. Your daughter wrote this comic. I can't leave her like this. And then he doesn't. He leaves for three weeks and comes back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably all that happens. There might be more. It is not all that happens, but we will talk about it. I, I can't remember. We will. That's okay. <laughs> we will talk about it. I am going to share the Google 
synopsis to see if it covers anything that you do not cover. The living years. Unable to cope with the pressure from Dan, Nathan quits the basketball team. I forgot about that. I did too. (laughs) (laughs) Although Haley fears that Nathan will not need her emotional support as much now, he relies even more heavily on her. Meanwhile, Brooke becomes increasingly jealous of Lucas and Peyton's growing friendship. That was a bullshit synopsis. Well, honestly, I forgot a couple of things. Okay. Seems. Yes, but like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll realize this in the notes. We'll discover this. But where did Haley fear that Nathan will not need her emotional support as much now? Like, that sounds like a fucked up way to live a life. Like, oh, he left, he got rid of this toxic thing in his life. What if he doesn't need me as much now? That's not Haley. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's very, I mean, he, from what I remember, he spent a lot of time with her in this episode. Yeah, like, that's not at all what's happening. He's literally just like, oh, I'm not in basketball. There's time. Let's go over to the beach. Let's go to this concert. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't, that is, that rings completely incorrect. Also, Brooke becomes increasingly jealous of Lucas and Peyton's growing friendship. Mm. Well, I mean, she does see at the end of the episode them in the cafe. Yeah, but is it? I mean, okay, I guess technically it's not wrong, but I feel like it's not right. (laughs) No, because I mean, I feel like calling it a growing friendship when there's clearly more there. It's not like, oh, they're just becoming friends. It's like, Oh, there's like an intimacy in this friendship between them that does not exist in my relationship with him. Yeah. That's what, it, you know what I mean? It, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm being very nitpicky with that, but I still have a lot of feelings. Of course you do. <laughs> of course I do. Uh, I have a lot of feelings about this storyline and, um, well, they're all going to come out. And I guess we can see since it has been a while since we watched this, we can see maybe what comes out in our discussion and analysis and then see how we feel by the end of it. Well, let's start at the family therapy that I mentioned. Family therapy. We've got Dan, Deb, and Nathan. And Deb is, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. She's the only one that wants to be there. I would say that's true. Because nobody is really trying except for Deb. I mean, I would say, I do think that Nathan's kind of like okay in this. He's not a, like, the thing is, Dan is actively antagonistic about the whole experience. When he says she blames me for her shortcomings as a mother. (laughs) (laughs) Which is Yes. But also just the way he is toward the doctor. He's like, You're the one with all the answers, Doc. You know, like that's not what like she's still she's just doing her job. Leave her alone. (laughs) Yeah. So basically this scene starts out family therapy, three of them on a couch or something, with the doctor across from them. And from what we can tell like you said, nobody really wants to be there. I don't even know that Deb wants to be there. I think it's more just like she has to be. But anyway, the conversation is still just like trying to get off the ground at all. But it's very clear that Dan is completely emotionally closed off to this conversation. Not really taking it seriously. Very much just like fulfilling it. Nathan is there begrudgingly. But I mean, at one point in the conversation, the therapist asks Nathan, do you want to be playing basketball anymore? And he's like, I don't know. You know, like he's he is like legitimately thoughtful about it. Yeah, he is. Which I, I can't remember exactly, but I know Dan. I think he responded for Nathan before he got a chance to think about it. Probably. And 
that would be a really hard thing to like admit, especially when Dan Scott's your father. Well, to admit in front of your parents in this situation, yeah, that would be yes. very hard. Yeah. Um, I think that the result, or at least shortly after he says, I don't know, or whatever to the therapist, I think very shortly after that, Dan gets up and storms out. And then Deb and Dan, it shows, I think, then all of them on the street getting ready to leave. Deb and Dan are fighting. Who gets to take Nathan in the car? It's almost like when divorced parents fight over who gets to have the kid for Christmas. That's what it reminds me of. It's exactly like that. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly like that. It's kind of like a preview of what life is going to be like. Yeah. Post-divorce. Well, now we move on. Mm -hmm. We see Brooke and Lucas at the library. I think it's a bookstore. Is it a bookstore? I thought it was a library. Maybe. You know what? Maybe. I don't know. I, I was imagining it that it was like a used bookstore or something, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a place with old books. <laughs> It does have old books. Yes. Because I think Brooke mentions, like, what is that smell? What is that smell? She's like, it's funky. I actually really hate when people say the word funky in that way. It's one, It's like cute when it's like, oh, I like these funky earrings. But when someone's like, it smells funky. It just, like, annoys me. What about when somebody <laughs> says, No, I'm into that. I, I like that. Me too. No, I, this is like, the, <laughs> I have a lot of like little pet peeves that are fucking stupid. And this is one of them. I just don't like when people say that stuff smells funky. I, it just like, it pisses me off. I can't explain it. Well, I'm not going to ask you to today. I didn't think you would. But I do want to know I why. think that everybody else would like to ask me, but we're not here for the listeners. We're here for us. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Well, they're in the library and it just seems like Lucas has now moved on. To wanting to just spend time with Brooke. Because I think that she tries to make advances towards Lucas, doesn't she? What do you mean? Well, doesn't she like try to hit on him? Like, hey, let's get out of here, superstar. Let's go back to your bedroom and do things in the bed. No. I mean, like, that is kind of what ends up happening. But no. So what we see in this scene, they're looking at books. Lucas is just trying to, like, live his life with Brooke as his girlfriend. Brooke doesn't get it because she's not a book person. This is like what it would be like if you and I went to a bookstore together, you know? I, I like certain books. This is what it would be like for you and I to go to a bookstore <laughs> together. I would want to spend hours sitting, looking through books, reading the backs of just like enjoying the fuck out of it, right? Oh yeah. And the second book. I found one that was like one that I looked like I was going to get, you would do Brooke's little voice and go, "So, are you good?" Or whatever, you know, like essentially, okay, so you got the thing you came for. Now let's go and do something fun. And that's what I think it's trying to show is like for Brooke, this is essentially an errand for Lucas this is like, this is like how I spend a fucking afternoon. Well, we actually get to the point where she wants to go somewhere that doesn't smell funky. Like you mentioned, uh-huh. and it suddenly goes to Brooke stripping. Woo! No bra in hot tub. Maroon 5 playing in the background. Is that what's playing in the background? Yes. It is Maroon 5's first single. I am not ashamed to admit that this scene affected me as a teenager. <laughs> what kind of effects did it give you? It, <laughs> all the strong ones. I used to rewatch this scene over and over. <laughs> Lena. I did. So I Well, you know how I feel about Brooke. And I, <laughs> I did though, truly like I just think it's like such a hot scene. I don't, I, okay. What makes me feel bad saying that too, is that listening to drama Queens, 
which for the listeners, I have actually kind of stopped listening to it, not because I don't love it, but because I'm trying to not let it influence what I talk about in our podcast. But I did listen to most of season one of Drama Queens. And from what I remember about this scene is Sophia Bush hated filming that scene. Oh, did she? She was very, I mean, from what I remember, I could be misrepresenting it, but I think she was very uncomfortable with how sexualized she was in it. Like the close up on her body as she's unzipping her pants and like, which I totally understand. But as a viewer who didn't know any of that, watching this as a teenager, loved it. I imagine that if I saw this as a very puberty driven teen, Mm -hmm. that I would have probably felt things as well. Well, okay, yeah, because this was season one. I was I had just turned fifteen, and the thing is about Brooke is the reason the scene is sexy to me. It's not because she's taking her clothes off. It's just like the confidence and the the music and the sexuality of like just somebody being that free. You know, like there was just some that was what was exciting to me about it. You know, I mean that is kind of weird. Like she wasn't aware that they were gonna go that route. Like mm-hmm. as as heavily as they did when she recorded it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know if she was. I really don't remember exactly with drama queens if she was saying shooting the scene is what made her uncomfortable or watching the scene is what made her uncomfortable. It might have been a combination of the two because obviously, you know, it's not like she necessarily would have known that they were like spanning her body in that way. You know what I mean? Like if if it's just showing her like you know stripping off her shirt and like putting her pants down. But like from I don't I don't I don't know I can't even imagine how that would feel from as an actor you know yeah especially like a young actor this is your first really major thing you're doing you know like that would be a weird that would be a really weird experience it would be I mean it's hard because I want to just watch this as a viewer of the actual show and comment on it as a viewer of the actual show without the influence of like knowing that stuff but it is knowing that. She, regardless of when and how she was uncomfortable with it, knowing that she's a little uncomfortable with it makes me feel bad that I always loved the scene. <laughs> but I've always loved the scene. I just thought it was so, she was so cool to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just whew, love it. Well, Lucas thinks she's pretty cool too. Oh, yeah. But then he finds out that they're actually in a stranger's jacuzzi. And I don't remember what he asks. I'm sure your parents won't come home. They could. But this isn't their jacuzzi. Brooke, whose house is this? (laughs) I don't know. Does it matter? And then they just start making out. (laughs) I'll say I have in my notes that he forgets to care after Brooke starts kissing him because he is very much into Brooke. I mean, how can anyone blame him? I mean, she's half naked in a hot tub on a cool tree hill night. Also, it's just like it's fun. You're like in a straight. I mean, listen, it's not okay to break into strangers' homes, get in their hot tubs, and fuck. But also, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, can start... we fault them? I think that I know I need to be look on the lookout for a stranger's jacuzzi thing. Maybe if they're on vacation. Let's pretend. I mean... People have to have a day job, mostly. I think I'd be really stressed out in reality. Like, knowing who I am as a human being, I don't know that I could actually do that. I think I would be like... Really, and I would also feel really bad like using someone else's space that way and like fucking with their water quality. <laughs> I would just, I would feel bad, you know. Now I'm imagining you going over there afterwards mm-hmm. 
and like dumping all of their water out and changing it out with fresh water. I mean, I'm like cleaning it down. Honestly, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do. I never want to do shit that's gonna affect somebody else. You know what I mean? I get it. Honey. Like if it was an abandoned home because some like millionaire family, I don't know, upgraded, but like didn't care to sell their house. Okay. <laughs> well, it sounds like that's not a stranger's hot tub, but rather just an abandoned one then. Yeah. Well, it's I'm still not still ours. Okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nevertheless what we see what we gather from this whole little exchange and scene between the bookstore and the hot tub place is like they don't really seem to have a lot in common except for sex yeah right like they connect real well when it comes to physical stuff but when it comes to lucas's interests or whatever and it is interesting that they point out that lucas is more the intellectual type Ugh, gross and brooke is nothing but sex Oh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. Like, she's much more than that. She is so much more than that. Also, as I told you earlier today, I am so... Okay, I am a person who has spent a lot of time around very... And I'm putting this in quotes, like, very, like, intelligent people. As I think I mentioned in the trailer, or Alex mentioned in the trailer, rather, I have a PhD. So I've spent a lot of time in grad school. And there is literally nothing I hate more (laughs) than, like, pseudo-intellectual men. Like, I just do not have any patience for it. And I think that that's my impatience with Lucas when it comes to his, like, reading, you know, and his, like, literary canon and all that bullshit. And, like, now, listen, he is not as insufferable as a lot of other characters are. I don't think he's particularly snobby about his his intellectualness, you know, <laughs> um, or his intellect. But I don't know. I just, like, find it irritating. And this is why every week I criticize him. <laughs> You know, like his like reading choices and whatnot. I just find him like he just reminds me of things that I dislike about academia that I'm a part of. You know what I mean? So I imagine that you probably would have met a lot of intellectual men, but do you think I'm intellectual? I do think you're intellectual. See, that's yeah. why I said pseudo intellectual and not intellectual. Like I do think you're intellectual. And I think you're very, very smart. So nice. Very intelligent. <laughs> it's not about not liking I love intelligence in people and I like deep thinking and all that stuff. I think what I mean when I see pseudo-intellectual is sort of like you're modeling the behavior of it or you're modeling and pretending kind of that you're that thing without, like you're just putting on a show around your intellect. Like again, I'm not saying Lucas says this more, like the person who does this more than anyone is AJ on Dawson's Creek, which we are currently experiencing in season three as we're watching that simultaneous to watching Winter Hill. No one cares if you haven't watched Dawson's Creek. I'm just to give people a perspective as to why I'm talking about this right now. If you've seen Dawson's Creek season three, AJ, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. Me. We can move on from that. I'm sorry. Well, now we go to the cafe. Mm-hmm. We have Keith and Deb at the cafe and Keith wants the diet special, but then Deb gives them the wrong order because she's kind of frazzled. So mm-hmm. she takes the plate away, puts it on somebody else's. And that's when Deb mentions the counseling session. Mm hmm. So it seems like it was on her mind a little bit, you know, kind of distracted a little bit during the day. Well, I think Keith asks her, like, hey, what's going on with you or something like that? Yeah. And, like, honestly, one of my favorite lines, too, is... Down in counseling. It's kind of like Hannibal Lecter to salad bar. (laughs) Which I really enjoy. That is really funny. That's very funny. And this is where Dan actually pops into the cafe. Fucking Dan. And he he starts cracking wise. I know you like my women, Keith, but come on. Deb's still my wife. And then Keith. Won't be for long if you keep this up. 
awesome. It is an interesting relationship these two brothers have. They have the shittiest relationship. But also, I do like this because I, I like that. I mean, Keith and Deb are part of a family. Like, it's very easy to forget that because Keith is like, we align Keith with Karen. But they're they're related, essentially, because they're, I mean, they're a brother-in-law and sister-in-law, you know? They're in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like Keith wants to be, like, part of, you know, like, hers and, like, Nathan's life. Not as much, maybe, for, mm-hmm. like, Nathan's, but, like, he seems like he's willing, rather. Is this the scene where I think Keith says, oh, like, do you want me to talk to Nathan? I think so. And, yeah, and Deb's like, oh, that would be really nice. Thank you. So we So we know that's coming at some point. Yeah, because he comes in and he mentions to Deb at this point that he is going to take Nathan to dinner tonight. Do you have a mm-hmm. problem with that? Yeah. Trivia question. Go ahead. What time are they getting dinner? I have no clue. Take a guess. Seven. Oh, damn it. Is it seven o'clock? Yes, it is. Lena. Look at your little coy smile. Well. You're so proud of yourself, right? I am proud. Well, that's because we eat dinner at like seven usually. Dinner time. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a trivia question for the very next scene. Yeah. Because Lucas is showing up at Peyton's house. Mm-hmm. What is the house number? What is with you and house number trivia? Well, it's one of the few things I can see. One, two, three. I don't fucking know. 1901. 1901? Yeah. I don't have to remember that. Well, you'll have to remember that, too. Here's an easy way to remember it. Fraser Crane's apartment number is also 1901. Is it really? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I'm remembering a joke that Martin made about... His upstairs neighbor was having a party, party 2000 or something. I can't mm-hmm. remember what his name. Calvin or Cal or something like that. <laughs> like, honestly, his name's escaped my mind. That's crazy. But yeah, it was like party 2000, which sounds like a party of the future. And Frazier Crane 1901 <laughs> sounds like a step in the past. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is. But anyway, Pey- Lucas shows up at Peyton's house. Mm-hmm. He sees that the door is ajar. Yeah. His first instinct is to grab this rake that is near the door. And he pushes it in, the door, I mean. Yeah. And he steps inside. And I think he actually mentions, like, Peyton, doesn't he? Or is he sneaking around still? I can't remember if he says Peyton's name or not. A question I had. Okay, I know we saw him at Peyton's house the night of the drugging, when she was drugged to the college. Brooke and Lucas took Peyton back to the house, right? So I know he's seen her house then. Has he ever been to her house otherwise to visit her? Because I get the impression, I'm pretty sure this is the first time he has ever, like, visited Peyton as a friend. I hadn't thought about that. I'm not sure. Well, something I thought about was because he shows up so many fucking times in this episode. Now, this first time, okay, maybe he was literally just showing up to say, hey, conveniently, after he starts dating Brooke, he comes for the first time ever to come visit Peyton, but whatever. He shows up to say, hey, and only because the door is ajar does he enter without asking, right? Well, he... He does know, like, Peyton has mentioned to him that her dad is, like, on the sea. Yeah. So, like, he knows that there shouldn't... I mean, does he really know Peyton, though? I mean, she could have anybody over there. That's my point, Alex, is that she... I don't think he's ever been there as a friend before. He was there to help take care of her a week or two ago, not even, when she was drugged. He was there to help take care of her, but he, to my knowledge, to the viewer's knowledge, I don't think he's ever been there as a friend hanging out. And I'm just going to jump ahead really quickly because it's relevant to my point. Later in the episode, we see Lucas walk into Peyton's bedroom and Larry, Peyton's dad, is in Peyton's bedroom. And 
he's like, hey, you mind knocking or whatever? Or, or like, why you just walk in the doors? Doorbell broken? Yeah, something like that. And Lucas is like, oh, you know, she never hears it anyway. What are you talking about? When have you come over? That's a good question. You know what I mean? That's and like, I'm point. not, obviously, this is an oversight of the writers, I think. I think it's important because we're going to treat this as if it wasn't an oversight, right? I think it's important to <laughs> acknowledge that Lucas literally didn't have any kind of sustained friendship with Peyton prior to him dating Brooke. He had feelings for her. They almost hooked up once. That's basically it, though. They never hung out. They weren't friends. They weren't chilling out together. He starts pursuing that with Peyton as soon as he starts dating Brooke. I think that's important. That's all I'll say. So what's interesting to me is if you didn't figure it out, listeners, I'm sure you've watched the show before, but if you didn't figure it out, he eases this door open with this newfound rake, mm-hmm. and he wanders into the kitchen where he sees somebody stumbling through a silverware drawer. <laughs> I think he's looking for a can opener. I don't know what he's doing. Either way, he's like, yeah. he starts knocking the rake on the table. Who are you? And I'm about to beat your ass, boy. Okay, isn't it also weird, though, that he sees a man who's clearly just, like, casually looking through, like, it's not like hoarding through, like, a jewelry box, you know, like, or, yeah. like, unhooking a television. Like, this is a man that's clearly just, like, casually spending time in a kitchen. Wouldn't he be like, oh, shit, her dad's home? If he's been there, do they have no pictures of the dad in the house? Either way, like, it is weird. I do like that he says, I'm going to beat your scrawny ass because Lucas is in there trying to rake him to death. Mm-hmm. Peyton comes down. Lucas, what are you doing here? This is my dad. So she wasn't expecting Lucas to be there. Fuck no, she wasn't. Because this is the part I questioned. Uh-huh. Is absolutely nothing after this happened with Lucas and Peyton. What do you mean? That was the end of the little scene. Why did Lucas come over? Right. Because she has a car that she always drives to school. Mm-hmm. Why is Lucas there this morning? Why is Lucas there? Does he pass her house on the way to a bus stop? I don't get that impression. Doesn't he drive his own tow truck? Does he drive the tow truck to school? I don't know that he does. I doubt it. Assume... I assume he either walks to school. I don't think he would take a bus. I assume he walks to school. You think maybe he's getting a ride from Peyton? No. I I don't think the right like again, I don't think the writers even thought about this. I mean, this is literally just to show Peyton's dad's back in town. I mean, I do think it is to show Peyton's dad's back in town. I also think it's to show Lucas's attention and interest in Peyton, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I can Have we that. ever, ever at this point, and I will maintain this question, at the very end of this episode, I can ask the same question. Do we ever see Lucas seeking Brooke out? No. Right. Lucas is always the recipient of attention with Brooke. He is always the giver of attention with Peyton. Almost always. Peyton almost never seeks out Lucas. Lucas is constantly showing the fuck up everywhere for Peyton. I don't know. I, listen, I'm never going to stop. I have so many thoughts. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. I can't help it. I just, I know I have a lot to say about this. Well, now we actually go to Brooke and Peyton at the school, mm-hmm. right? And they're talking about Peyton's dad. And Brooke yeah. is like into her dad. So who's the guy? What guy? The one that's got you smiling. That'd be my dad. Oh, I'd be smiling too, but for entirely different reasons. Okay, here's the deal. I had a friend in high school, actually a friend of mine in high school, who was also extremely into One Tree Hill, so we used to talk about it constantly. Um, I had a big crush on her dad. Really? 
And I was like super open about it. <laughs> Very Brooke Davis style. I was super open about my crush and her dad. Jesus, and I would is... like openly flirt with him all the time. Honey. Well, it was a very safe situation. He was just a nice man. Did he flirt back? No. Oh my God. No, he was like a, listen, there were dads that did. This is not a dad that did. This was like a very nice man. What <laughs> dads did you flirt with? Listen, I was a mess. <laughs> Lena. <laughs> Don't you worry about it, darling. I only want you to flirt with me and I'm not a dad yet. You'll be a dad soon. You're already a daddy. Ew, I have to delete it. Ugh. Don't bother showering tonight. Don't delete that. It's disgusting. What did I say? Keep it in there. No. Put some ice on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that Brooke, does she mention to Peyton that like she's having trouble kind of like connecting with Lucas here? Yes. Yes. So that's how this question evolves, or that's how the discussion evolves. Brooke asks Peyton for advice about how to connect more with Lucas. And what does Peyton say? Do you remember? Well, she gives Brooke a CD. Mm-hmm. I don't remember for which group. That would have been a good question for you. I already know it. I don't, so you can ask me if you want. I will tell you. Well, I'm not going to ask you, and I know you don't know it. Well, you never know. It is for the group Travis. Oh, yeah. And one thing I want to point out is that Travis is the is the band that performs the song that was in the previous episode, the previous two episodes, actually, where they're having the face-off. That... I remember you humming that before. I know, and, I and then understand. I and I did play it in the last. I don't know if you listened to our last podcast episode, Alex. Uh, but I did play the beginning. <laughs> it's okay. I did play the beginning of that song there, so you would know what I'm talking about. But that is a song called "Reoffender" by Travis, and I think it's interesting that they—that's the song that is used in the background of their little face-off in Lucas's bedroom when Lucas apparently chooses between Brick and Peyton, a previous episode. And then it's also the band and the album that is used in this discussion about how to connect with Lucas, in which Peyton, or rather Brooke, has a little bit of a blunder in how she handles it. So I just think it, I think it's an interesting and intentional choice on the part of the writers. Yeah, because Peyton gives her that CD and says, hey, tell Lucas that tracks 8 and 11 make you think of him. Mm-hmm. But what does she do when she actually catches up and gives that CD to him? She says tracks 8 and 13, I believe. She does. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Why that matters, but... Yeah. Yeah. Because first, we go to the tutoring center. Yeah. We find Haley and Nathan tutoring each other. Well, I, w- I would say it's probably one-way tutoring, but yeah. <laughs> well... I think Haley's tutoring Nathan, and tutoring. Nathan offers nothing but his charm. Tutoring is, a- is occurring. Yes, of course. And what do they talk about? They're talking about therapy. And I actually, re- I know this is a very brief scene, but I really like it. I always remembered this scene because I love the way, and I think you're going to probably like laugh at this because this is like so me, but I like the way that Haley demonstrates empathy in this scene because he's telling her about the challenge of therapy and the feelings he's having about basketball and maybe not wanting to play. And she just goes, wow, that's really big. And I love that because she's not like giving him advice. She's not like, She's just sitting there with him and how he feels and acknowledging that it's a big deal. And I just, I think, I know that that sounds like nothing, but I think that that's something. I've always liked the way she responds to his struggles. I don't really like that the relationship between Haley and Nathan at this stage is kind of one-sided where it's a lot of her supporting him and we don't know a lot about her. I don't love that, but take that out of it. I like the way we see this interaction with them. That he opens up emotionally with her. She's very there for it. She's really good at it. It's nice. 
Yeah, you're right. It is nice. In that conversation, we find out that apparently practice does start back up today. But Nathan says, I'm not sure if I do. And that's kind of how we find out. Nathan is is genuinely considering not, you know, going to practice, not rejoining the team. Haley seems very supportive of him either way, which I like. Well, she doesn't care about him being a basketball star. She likes right. him for him. And she thinks that he's really brave for that, too. Mm-hmm. Something that I noted, okay, maybe I misheard this. And that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to talk to you about it. Yes. Because when it comes to the timeline of One Tree Hill, we've had issues before. But doesn't he, does he mention here that it's been a few weeks since they played? Yeah. He actually says, like, oh, these last couple of weeks or something like that. Which is interesting because we we this is the first episode in several episodes that didn't pick up immediately after the ending of the last one or very shortly after the ending of the last one. So this actually does show some time has passed. I wonder if they took like just disqualifications or, or losses or whatever for those mm-hmm. games. Did they literally play none of their scheduled games then, I guess? I mean, I wonder if they were just forfeited. They just forfeited certain games. Yeah. That's crazy. That is kind of crazy. I mean, it's a bold decision on Whitey's part, but I think it's really a good decision. I mean, I think it was modeling some really good behavior. I wonder how, like, I'm just imagining today's world, mm-hmm. how the school board, or more accurately, other parents would look mm-hmm. upon this. I mean, that's a really good point. And another really good point I, I just thought of is that is that Nathan and Lucas are juniors. There's got to be some seniors on that team. And that this is a really important season for them. I mean, there's got to be at least one or two seniors on the team that are starters, I would think. Because the only starters we're 100% sure we know of are Nathan, Lucas, Jake. I, I think Tim's a starter. I'm not completely sure if Tim's a starter or not. I think he is. But So that leaves maybe one, one to two people that could be probably seniors, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I just think that that is interesting. I know that is because... I mean, just think about how many schools shut down for, like, not just uh, high schools, but colleges mm-hmm. for the pandemic. Yeah, and that was a really big deal. I remember a lot of seniors, like, especially, like, seniors that are trying to be recruited to top colleges and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Like, that's a hard thing to go through. Yeah. And I imagine, like, see, like, this was a, a very temporary. You yeah. Know? But at the same time, I don't know if anybody else on this team had any prospects to go to some college to play basketball. Mm-hmm. But this obviously hurts it, like, any chance. I mean, here's the thing, too. It is only, he said a couple of weeks. It probably really only was, like, two weeks. So maybe they missed three, four games. I don't remember how basketball schedules work. I know with tennis, we usually had two matches a week. So for us, it would have been four games, which is significant. But basketball probably is a much longer season, I would think. I think that we had a couple games uh, a week, maybe. Yeah, okay. Because I remember being in the pep band, and there would be multiple nights in a week that I would have to play. Mm-hmm. We get the sense that Tree Hill is a really good team and is known as a really good team. So, and Whitey has been doing this for 35 years, so he is known in the league. Like, I would think that he has a lot of pull with parents, a lot of pull with, like, local people in their district or whatever. So probably he can just be like, listen, we're taking a two-week hiatus because of some of the stuff going on with our players. We're going to be back. And probably people don't really question it too much. And, like, I don't know. But it is interesting. I didn't really think about how other parents and other kids might feel about it. Like, we very much focus on, you know, Nathan. and Yeah, so, I mean, like, the gravity of it all. Yeah. We've gotten to see he's had these few weeks without it. He knows what he's missing now. So it is interesting. This is a good chance for him to actually think about if he wants to continue. He's actually 
probably the first time his entire life has had some of a break from basketball, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, you know? that is crazy. So we already mentioned this next scene very briefly with Brooke and Lucas. I do think it's funny. Um, Brooke walks up to Lucas. He's like sitting again, like just like chilling at like a table. And she says, I'll work and no Brooke make Luke a boring boy. Which I just think is like adorable and like a great shining reference. Come play with us, Daddy. Love it. But that's when she hands him the CD that Peyton had just given her. And that's where she messes up the track listing. And Lucas is like, oh, I didn't know you like Travis. And she goes, oh, yeah, he's great. I love him. And he's like, who? And it's, you know, obviously just because Travis, she assumed it was a singular artist and rather than a group. So silly. Kind of like somebody that thinks Van Halen is one guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I did for a while. <laughs> well, but I, I mean, I think that that, yeah. And honestly, Van Halen is well, way more known than fucking Travis. You I've know? never heard of Travis. I also think that like it is possible for somebody to like when you listen to Travis's music, you could easily think that maybe that was a one person rodeo. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny because like it, you could be a fan of a, of a band or an artist and not like know everything about them, but I, whatever. I'm like being really picky and I know that. So, <laughs> well, I'll move on. Lucas takes a CD mm-hmm. and he travels immediately to find Peyton. Of course he does. And where is Peyton? Um, is she in the library? Or? She is in the library. She's in the library and she's drawing, right? So I just think it's interesting. He goes back to the place that Brooke didn't want to be, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, to find her. And he picks up on the fact that it was Peyton's doing. That's a really good point about the going back to where Brooke didn't want to be. That's interesting. Yeah. Go on. There is no track 13, he mm-hmm. says. But here's what I like. Peyton does not sell out Brooke. She doesn't, you know, super defend it. But she also says that could be a simple mistake. But I like that she says, don't underestimate Brooke. She's full of surprises. I love that. That is really nice. She's trying to support that relationship. I mean, they aren't fighting over this boy. You know what I mean? Nope. Which is great. It is great. Because I can imagine that some of the people that I've known in my life Mm -hmm. would definitely like fight over people. Oh, for sure. Like people I knew in high school and things like that. If anything, I think this is a testament. As much as we've talked about like, why are they not more open with each other as friends as to like, why, like, why aren't they more honest about their feelings and stuff? If anything, I think this is a testament to the fact that they genuinely care about each other. They're not fighting over this boy. Peyton, who has really serious feelings for him is trying to help Brooke connect. Like in this little scene, she's defending Brooke and trying to be like, Hey, don't underestimate her. She has a lot going on. Like she's, I don't know. Yeah. I have so many thoughts about what else happens in the scene though. Well, I mean, Lucas, he, he decides to stick around, right? Mm-hmm. While she draws, and he's just going to start reading. I, did, I couldn't catch what he was going to read, but it was a John, John Steinbeck, I noticed. Of course it was. But it is interesting that he's they're... He's a slut for Steinbeck. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's hard not to be. Well, is it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, do, I did note that there was this brief moment after the initial conversation about the CD. There's this brief little moment where they're talking about Peyton's dad. I wrote, I mean, so Peyton is talking about how she lied to her dad about how she likes being alone, but she doesn't really like living on her alone. She really kind of hates it. She would much rather have her dad around, blah, blah, blah. And what I noted about that, I, don't, I mean, I care about what Peyton's saying, but more than anything, I can't let go. Lucas is so much more invested in knowing Peyton and understanding her than he is in Brooke. He does not ask Brooke any kind of questions like this from what we can tell. 
Now, granted, we don't see everything, right? But from a writing perspective, what do we see? We see them not connecting over the books he wants to read. We see her just wanting to have sex and have like party and have fun. Him feeling like that is a lot. We see him never seeking her out. We see him in this scene say, I don't really have a lot of quiet time these days. Do you mind if I just sit here and read while you draw? As if she's some like excessive burden. I mean, again, I'm being sensitive. Maybe change burden, swap that out for something else, whatever. My point is Lucas is essentially just like, Brooke, you're great. We have a lot of fun. And then with Peyton is like, oh, any opportunity to talk about Peyton's feelings, ask questions about her life, her dad, her whatever. And I just, I I feel like it's so fucking obvious to me now in a way it was not obvious to me when I was first watching this show. And it is painful. Well, I I think that the closest that Lucas and Brooke ever really got, at least from what we've seen, Mm -hmm. was while Peyton was laying on the bed recovering from the roofie. Yeah. I think. But even in that scene, Brooke starts saying, oh, you're really close to your mom. That's nice. This is Now, this is several episodes ago, listeners. But Brooke starts saying, oh, it's so nice that you and your mom are close. My parents would rather throw a credit card at me or whatever and send me on my way. And then immediately Lucas is like changes the subject. And I like I will challenge people to go back to watch that. That was that was the previous time they talked. huh? That is when Peyton was drugged. She's laying there. They're having this really heart to heart conversation about Lucas's upbringing with Dan and that whole situation with Nathan. Brooke starts sharing a little bit about herself. He kind of turns away and says something. Oh, you know, if you want to go to bed, you can, you know, I'll stay up and watch Peyton. And he doesn't say anything to her about like, oh, that sucks for you. Yeah. You know, with her parents or whatever. So, I again, I know that that's very. No, I mean, I get but... it. Because it's a very, like, obvious thing, especially when we're picking it apart like this. It's obvious when you compare it to how he is with Peyton. Where every emotion mm-hmm. Peyton has, every fucking flicker of something on her face, he is interested in. With Brooke, it's like, oh, you're reliably cheerful and fun. And that's what I'm, I want you around for. Yeah. So bringing it to that, what you had said, well, we kind of already touched upon this, but like, mind if I just sit here and read with you while you draw? What do you think of this? Well, I I do think it's a little interesting because, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, Lucas does not feel like he's being a boyfriend to Brooke, but rather more of a boyfriend to Peyton. Mm -hmm. Because sitting around with somebody doing anything together, we do that. There are times that we're doing stuff that, like, you might not be interested. Maybe I'll play a game on the computer. Maybe you'll read a book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then there's other times where we lay around and watch Dawson's Creek on the floor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, that's like a couple thing to do. And then they start talking about heavy stuff like the dad, and he starts, like, getting into her. Yes. Like, past and her emotions for the future. That This is the thing. Like, yes, you can do all those things with a friend also, but not Mm -hmm. a friend you have feelings for and have confessed your feelings for who has confessed their feelings for you, who you are dating their best friend. Yes. That the circumstances and context of this friendship changes that that is not a normal thing to do with just a friend in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Like that is important to me. My, I wrote, what the fuck is Lucas doing? (laughs) And, but, but I, and I wrote this too, but I really strongly feel it. Like I would be very hurt by this situation as either girl. Am I wrong for feeling this way? Like, like honestly, what do you think? I don't know. Um, in terms of like either girl, obviously, mm-hmm. I would, I would be for sure. Brooke would be hurt by this. Mm-hmm. 
And I can, I'm thinking about it a little bit more than now that you said that, and I can see Peyton being upset because, like, why are you using me emotionally, but being with Brooke, like, physically and, every, you know, mm-hmm. and the other stuff? So I guess I can see it from that. Well, from Peyton's perspective, she wants a relationship with Lucas. She fucking said that already. She made it very clear. She wants a relationship with Lucas. He is fucking her best friend, flirting, doing all these things right in front of her, yeah. and then comes and hangs out with her privately and has these conversations with her, knowing she feels this way about him, and is like, and she's, I mean, you can see on her face, she's, if nothing else, maybe she's not hurt, she's at least confused. Because on her face, she's like, what is going on? Like, she's like looking around, kind of like, what is he doing? And I'm sure she likes it because she wants to spend time with him because she likes him. But like, what is he doing? Well, when you put it that way. I just keep coming back to the fact that he doesn't have to be dating Brooke. You know what I mean? He does not have to be dating Brooke. He could be single and then doing this with her. And that would be fine. She can't help that he's dating Brooke. He can. I it just it bothers me, Alex. It bothers me. I get it. I think the reason I can't stop talking about it is because I genuinely did not see it this way the first 400 viewings of this show. Do you know what I mean? Like when I was watching this when it was live, when I was watching this years later even on DVD box sets or whatever, I just didn't see any of this. I really genuinely didn't see any of this. It is because of fucking therapy that I see this shit the way I see it and it's just crazy now to be watching this and be like Oh, wow, this is shitty. You know, like, ev- again, yeah. I, I will. I, everybody's at fault in some way or another in this. Everybody is somewhat at fault. But wow, there's just a lot to say about this, this episode specifically. And so we'll, we'll continue to talk about it throughout. Well, now we move on to Keith's garage where Nathan shows up and they start to have a dialogue because Deb and Keith earlier talked about it. And Deb would appreciate Keith giving a little bit of almost fatherly attention i think mm-hmm. yeah that i think Dan so. is obviously not providing mm-hmm. and we actually find out a little bit about keith scott's basketball career yeah we do you want to touch upon that sure yeah nathan asks keith if he played basketball in high school it makes me a little sad that he doesn't just know that you know it's because it, if, in any other family i would think that's normal to not know that about your uncle but like in this basketball obsessed family i don't know well it just goes to show you that dan has never brought up his younger brother or his older brother excuse me yeah exactly and and also just how they aren't close at all basically but beyond that keith says that he loved playing basketball you didn't enjoy it (laughs) what are you kidding me i loved it but there was no pressure then and then i didn't love it so much anymore your dad came up and he just man made everything a competition so then he just walked away only look back at the cheerleaders. Yeah, it's really sad, honestly, too. It is sad. Since he loved it, but then he couldn't love it anymore once Dan came along. Like, it's really sad. It's super sad to me because, if anything, it just kind of shows that, like, Dan has always been, like, this narcissistic monster. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Well, now we see Peyton going to Haley. Haley James. Do you remember? I thought Haley sought out Peyton. For boyfriend advice. Or for advice about Nathan. Haley sought out Peyton for boyfriend advice. Mm-hmm. Hey, spirit girl. Haley needs advice about Nathan, I wrote here. So yeah, you're <laughs> right. And she actually mentions to Peyton about Nathan quitting the team. Mm-hmm. Which is big. Honestly, that is big. Yeah, it's huge. But she even mentions, Peyton does, that you're so much better with him than I ever was. 
was any advice actually given here? Not really. I mean, basically, Haley's like, I don't really know what to tell him when he talks about this. And Peyton's like, bitch, I don't know. Like, I never knew what to say. Just support him and be there for him. Yeah. I don't remember there being really advice, honestly. I think it was more just sort of, I mean, I have to say, Peyton is like a very big person. Because not only does she help Brooke earlier in the episode, but as much as she doesn't really, like, her, she and Nathan were not in love or anything. It's still weird. This is a guy she dated presumably for like a couple of years. That's I feel like that's the impression that was given. I would say that probably since high school started maybe. Right, like since the beginning of high school. And I feel like the fact that she's so cool about this is so, I don't know, it just says a lot about Peyton's character that she's like able to be that chill about it. So I think that's kind of nice, but. I mean, that is nice. It is. Brooke comes along and Brooke and Peyton are together. Mm-hmm. Brooke actually mentions Lucas. And brings up art and books. And I've got nothing, she says, which is really sad that she thinks that. It is really sad. I think the conversation starts because she's like, oh, God, this was like so embarrassing. Like, I realized after that I had fucked up something about the band. And Peyton's kind of like, oh, my God. Yeah, like you did. And they're kind of laughing about it. But that you're right. Like, that kind of leads into Brooke being like, he talks about, oh, God, I hate this. She's like, he talks about art and books and and all these things that matter so much and i've got nothing and like i brooke like art and books matter to me a lot too but like people can talk about other things well no i mean honestly like i feel the same way as brooke does like when i talk to you i i i still have this fear sometimes like i don't have anything to to bring to the table do you know so many things about such intellectual things. Oh, God. The thing is, though, yes, having shared interests is really important so that you can connect. But it's a lot more important that you have a similar value system, that you care about each other similarly, you show love similarly. Like, these are things that are a lot more important than, like, oh, do you listen to the same fucking music? Yeah. And I don't, I get it because they're teenagers. I'm just saying, I hate that in the narrative of this conversation, I feel like Lucas is being seen as above Brooke and I, that's what I hate is like oh he's so you know deep and shit it's like you know he's not his tattoo means fun so <laughs> let's not forget the one fucking tattoo he got in his life means fun what does her tattoo say I don't know did, does she mention that in that episode I don't know but even if he got one to copy hers what does that say about him you basic do you know what I mean yeah that's true you would think he would get some fucking Steinbeck quote I want to pet the rabbits George Alex. <laughs> well, you know. No, but you know what I mean? Like, it. that's my point, though, is it's like, he is no, I don't know. I need to let it go. And it goes pretty quickly, this, like, I feel like now the, these scenes are zooming pretty quickly into each other, like Brooke, uh, Peyton and Haley, and then into Brooke and Peyton, because now we see Whitey, and Whitey mentions, all I have here is that Whitey wants to see how soft the boys are. <laughs> because they are starting basketball again. And Jake Jagowski comes in. He brings Jenny along. Baby Jenny. Baby Jenny. Because now everybody knows. Mm-hmm. He so, can be open about it now. So I don't know what he did with Jenny. I guess the parents watched. Remember, he used to miss practice like half the time. And people were like, what's the deal? Like, why does he let you off? Oh, did he miss or is he always like late? I, uh, I think it's a combination. Late. He would be late. He would miss. Like, okay. But hey, Whitey knew the situation, so Whitey was really chill about it. But now that people know he doesn't have to hide it anymore, it's like, well, whatever. I could just bring 
my little baby practice. I mean, Peyton <laughs> comes over and offers to look after the kid while Jake is out there. Yeah, I have that down where she... I do wonder about why Peyton is so into this baby and into caretaking in general. Like, I think it's really sweet, but I'm just sort of curious if it relates back to her lack of family in general, you know? Probably because she sees a dad that's really there uh-huh. that wants to be in, you know, her yeah. daughter's life. So she wants a daddy of her own. She's like, hey, daddy. Go bother showering tonight. <laughs> but she, I mean, I think it's, I really don't want to pervert it. I'm just saying like it, I think it's, well, also in that scene, Whitey realizes that Nathan isn't at practice. And so do we. We realize that Nathan didn't go back to practice because he really is considering quitting basketball. And that's a pretty big step. I mean, that's like a really significant step. I mean, I mean it is. There's one thing to talk about and discuss it hypothetically. What mm-hmm. if I quit basketball? But the star of the Tree Hill Ravens yeah. is absent. He's just gone. Yeah. I feel like that's a really big deal to so, have the... the I mean, because it's not just that he's the star. I think it's that he is like heads and tails above all of them. Well, where is Nathan? Where is he? Whitey will find out mm-hmm. later on. But for now, comes my next trivia question. So, this next scene, uh-huh. Lucas is sending his mom an email. Yes. What is her email address? Oh, fuck. I don't know. Like the it's, email address that he's sending it to anyway. Um... Row the hoe. I don't know. What is it? It's Karen's Cafe at Hotmail.com. Of course it fucking is. Karen. And it's interesting, too, because the apostrophe is in there. Do email domains allow apostrophes in their address? I don't believe so. Either way, he sends it to it. So here's the next part of it. Uh Uh-huh. What is the subject line? Because I thought the subject line was really funny. I thought it was like, miss you or something. His subject line was, hey, mom, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I mean... Yeah. And it, it's funny because I'm pretty sure that he had the email address, the, the two, the subject, and then the body of it was Hey Mom. And then like, he hadn't gotten to any more of it. Like he wrote Hey Mom again. I, I thought, think. oh, <laughs> I thought he'd written like, Hey, I really miss you. Like I thought maybe he'd written like a line or something. Uh, he probably did. I don't, Pro- I don't know. Did you ever email people in high school? Like, did, were you ever like email friends with anyone? I don't remember email in high school i remember i had an email yeah but you didn't have like random people you emailed and shit i had like an old email that i would i I never had that kind of relationship with people i mean i was you know what email was in high school aliens are near aliens are near at hotmail.com yep i know you baby with the letter r (laughs) do you want to know what mine was in high school tell me mine was the word honey without an o so h-n-e-y underscore zero two at yahoo.com it's interesting. Zero two was because it was 2002 when I made it. <laughs> 20 fucking years ago, Alex. That's crazy. I made, that wasn't even my first email address either, which is crazy. But that was my high school email address. I made that in 2000 fucking two. It occurs to me, I think I had a Yahoo email at first. A Yahoo email. What do you call it? Yahoo. Yahoo, what am I saying? <laughs> What? It's so cute. No, because it's, it's where the accent mark would be on the way we're saying it. I'm saying Yahoo, and you're saying Yahoo. Well, whatever it is. <laughs> Yahoo makes it sound a lot more fun. And I actually yeah. think yours is probably correct, because the old like Yahoo ads used to say, Yahoo! So yes, yours makes did. a lot more sense. Either way. Either way. I don't think they take apostrophes in the email. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. 
Um, so he's sitting there trying to be a diligent little baby boy Lucas, writing to his mom, Karen, in Italy. And um Brooke strolls into his room, no knock. She just walks right fucking in. Which I just am like, listen, what if he just did his hand? Yeah, of course. I don't know. It's just like funny to me the way these these people are. But anyway, she comes into his room without knocking, comes over, sits on his lap, and she says, and this part really makes me sad. Because she comes in, she's like, I want to know everything about you. And I want you to know almost everything about me. What's going on, bro? Nothing. I just, I want to know you better, Luke. And it makes me sad. Why are you sad? Because she she is so genuinely interested in connecting with him as a human being. And connecting deeply with him and having emotions in this relationship. And he is just so not. It's just, it makes me sad because it's such an uneven relationship in my yeah. opinion. And that that's what makes me sad about it. I, I do think it is, I, mean, I like the way they pace this episode because I think they keep showing. Clearly, Brooke is struggling a little bit with this. And they're showing her going kind of from, from fun, like, oh, you want to read books? Well, I want to go to a hot tub and fuck. To her being kind of like, how do I connect with him to, oh, I'm so embarrassed to, I'm going to reach out to him and see what, if he's willing to do this with me. And we see that progress throughout until the point that we get the very end of the episode where she's pretty much tears about this. So it's, I like the pacing that we're seeing here with that. But anyway, after this scene, we see, of course we remember Dan and Nate had their little father son pizza date that night. I think they're at the same restaurant where Keith and Lucas had pizza a couple weeks back when Karen first went away. And uh, Dan is, of course, hitting on the waitress. We aim to please. Well, you hit the bullseye, Tara. Oh, <laughs> very, very gross. One of my trivias was going to be, what's her name? Tara. Tara. Got it. Miss Tara Reed. Yep. Was it Tara Reed? No, it was not Tara Reed, but like. Who's Tara Reed? You don't know who Tara Reed is? She's a porn star. <laughs> no. Who's Tara Reed? <laughs> Tara Reed was an actress in the like late 90s, early 2000s. I don't watch movies. What can I say? Well, she was in like uh, American Pie. She was in Van Wilder. Like she was in movies like that. Movies I've never she seen. She was in Josie and the Pussycat Dolls. Did you see that? I didn't. See- I saw the cartoon when I was a Okay, kid. you seem like someone who would have been really into that movie. Well, I've seen Josie. It wasn't good, but. Josie and the Pussycat Dolls? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I saw like Josie and the Pussycats like. As the cartoon. No, no. I'm talking about the the movie that was made with Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, and Rosario Dawson. Yeah, I've never seen you Because the way that you were like this like young boy that was in love with every female celebrity that you saw, <laughs> you would have loved that movie just because no. it was a bunch of like cute girls wearing like uh, cat ears, you know? No, I was too busy watching Charlie's Angels with Drew Barrymore. Right. See, there you go. That's all I'm saying. What can I say? It would have been. <laughs> yeah. So Dan hits on the waitress because, of course... Um, Nathan casually brings up like, "Hey, I didn't go to basketball practice." Oh yeah, he and does. Dan starts to like, "What? It's career suicide." I think he actually says, "I wrote that in a quote." Something along those lines. And he, Nathan, at some point says, "Oh, well, you know, you know, Keith said." And then Dan goes, "You talk to Keith. You take advice from Keith. You'll end up spending the rest of your life running a second-rate auto garage. Is that what you want? Is that what you want?" <laughs> 
I know that we always laugh at him being a dick, but it's just funny. I'm sorry, but it is. I don't like this person, Dan Scott. I would never want to know him in real life. I agree with nothing he says, but it's funny. I'm sorry, but it is. It's fictional, so it's funny. I mean, it is funny, like how easily he can switch to the mode where he's, where he's like shitting on people. He's so. I mean, that's just like it's not even like he's switching on a mode. That is just always beneath, just beneath the surface is cruelty at all times. You know. Anyway, so we have this little scene here. Clearly, he's fucking pissed at Keith, and we see that in the next scene that we transition to. Yeah, because Keith is working on a, a car at the garage, and he brings down the hydraulic lift or whatever he was using. Mm-hmm. And then we see behind the car, once it's lowered, Dan waiting in the shadows. Dan's face appears suddenly. It, it does appear suddenly. And doesn't Keith, like, jump? And he's like, oh, my God, that's scary or something. Well, actually, a little bit ago, mm-hmm. I think he says it was scary because also Nathan did the same thing. If you remember. Oh. Because he was bringing the, I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, he was bringing the car down and Nathan was standing there. I don't remember that. And but maybe you're it right. it happened again, only it was Dan this time. Yeah. Maybe you're right. I thought it was just scary because it was Dan's face suddenly appearing and like that would scare anyone. <laughs> well, yes, it would. Um, so yeah, Dan confronts him about basically like, why are you talking to Nate? Why are you getting involved? And then he fucking says. I don't mind you playing daddy to one of my offspring, but leave the good one alone, will you? Fucking asshole. Jesus, Dan. Holy shit. The things he fucking says. Honestly, the writers of this show, were they abused by their fathers, do you think? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not. I know that sounds funny to say, it, but like, honestly, like, they are so good at writing this horrible fucking human being. I'm not saying, like, because I'm a writer, I'm not saying I I don't write horrible characters who do horrible things because I fucking do and it's my favorite. But I don't know. I don't know that I could be this consistently. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Like, I feel like I could write Joey Potter mean, but Dan Scott mean is a whole fucking different story. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I couldn't imagine myself being so openly horrible? hating something. There are so many people. bad things with that sentence that are just so wrong. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, it really is. And it's interesting, too, because he mentions in this, at least as I took note of this, because of the basketball being canceled for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. he mentions, I'm out of the house a week when he's talking to Keith. Doesn't that conflict a little bit? I could easily see him just saying, just saying throw, that's, that's like a throwaway thing to say yeah. just to emphasize how much he's a, offended and annoyed by this you know i probably pay too much attention to little dumb no stuff like i don't think so alex <laughs> because well first of all the only way we are even able to get a sense of timeline is the shit that the characters say so there's that but also the way the characters talk about their lives says a lot about them as human beings and about like what they're going through like we could just as easily say maybe Nathan said a couple of weeks without basketball because it for him, one week without basketball feels like a month, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, so either way, I guess I'm saying is that like, I don't think it's little too little to talk about. I don't know if it's interesting for people to listen to, but I'm interested, Alex. I'm very well, interested. Know, I'm interested in you. I'm very interested in everything you have to say. I'm also interested in the, this next scene. Tell me about with it. With Peyton and Jake. Yeah. Peyton and Jake are walking and Peyton likes that jake is committed to jenny you know okay i wrote here just because like you know she wants that daddy figure in her life Mm -hmm. and she likes that jake is committed to jenny 
wants to be there for her. And I wrote that Peyton wants her mouth lined with Jake's tongue. Oh, my God. Put some ice on it. Well, I think it's accurate. Do you want to hear what I wrote? Yeah. yeah. Jake chases down Peyton to give her a key back, and they end up talking. Lucas is lurking and looks jealous as they walk by. I wrote down that Lucas nearby. (laughs) That's like all I wrote down for the scene. But I do remember this scene. I think it's cute. Jake has to give Peyton a key back because when Peyton was taking care of baby Jenny, she was using, letting baby Jenny play with her car keys, which like, okay, first of all, Jake, FYI, they make little plastic fake keys for kids to play with. You do not have to have your child putting like, fucking dirty ass dirty keys. ass keys so i don't say. like the idea of baby jenny being anywhere near a high school student's keys either way he's giving them back as if key fell off or whatever they start talking about his love for jenny and whatnot and jake goes oh yeah maybe she'll be a cheerleader when she grows up and Peyton's like or president you gotta dream big and i think it's really cute it is i know that's like a very minor but i always thought that was a cute little moment well, this is one of those scenes that kind of morphs like one right in right into the other. Yes. Because Lucas lurking in the background. Fucking Lucas. He could you could tell he is jealous watching them interact. What is he doing? Meanwhile, where the fuck's Brooke Lucas? That's right. Do you what even care? Anyway. Well now Nathan comes around mm-hmm. and he starts to talk to Nathan. Hey, I missed you at practice. Team sucks on D without you, man. Uh-huh. And Haley sees them talking. You know? So like there's always somebody in the background watching the other. And what does Nathan say back to Lucas? I'm pretty sure he says something like, you don't have to be nice to me just because I'm dating Haley. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And then Lucas walks away and Nathan says to Haley, this is like one of my favorite parts. I think it's so funny. The whole nice guy thing is one kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan's fucking hilarious to me. I never appreciate how funny he was until this rewatch. That is pretty funny. It's just like kind of mean and it just cracks me up. Well, because now that Haley's here, mm-hmm. Nathan wants to hang out. Why not? Well, more than that, Nathan just wants to fucking leave. He does not want to be at school. And he invites her like, hey, do you want to go hang out somewhere? Do you want to ditch with me? And she's like, oh, my God, no. She's scandalized. Such a bad boy. I know. And then he starts to walk away. And she's like, huh, should I go to English or whatever the fuck? Or should I go with Nathan? So she goes and she and Nathan run off to the beach. Well, they go to... Oh, Dan's the dealer- auto shop oh. or Dan's uh, dealership, and they actually test drive slash steal one of the cars. Fucking ballsy! And then they take it to the beach. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think to Dan's beach house. Yeah, Haley gets fucking wasted. Yes, Nathan keeps pouring her more despite the wastedness. She's wearing a terrible hat. I actually wrote that down. What the fuck is she wearing on her head? That hat is the worst. I think this is the worst hat so far. I don't remember what it looks like now that we've been this far away from the episode. Yeah. But the fact that I wrote it down, like, it's a terrible hat. I it think it's like a multicolored, very textured looking hat. It's just fucking ugly. It terrible. is by far worse than the mushroom hat that she wore earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, well, Haley starts writing Nathan up the stuff like a school child. Mm-hmm. Oh, because they start making out on the beach and Nathan's like, you want to take this inside? And she's like, hell yeah. And then, I mean, it's not as... You know, enthusiastic as that. But I mean, then yeah. she's on his back and he's carrying her. And what happens? Well, somebody is waiting at the top of the steps. Madeline Albright. It's not Madeline Albright. Nope. It's Dan. It's Dan. Dan Scott. Um, Danny boy. And obviously Dan gets upset, puts Haley in the front seat of the car. I do like that he walks Haley to the car. I think it's nice. 
It is nice. Dan is upset. Dan is angry, but not in like the way that a fucking normal parent would be angry. He's like He's more upset about Nathan's like prospects because of yes! this. Like what if people see you? What's this gonna say to, about your Ugh. future? You know what I mean? God, it's so annoying. But I love the response to any of this because mm-hmm. nobody's really said anything yet, I don't think, except for Dan being pissed. Mm-hmm. But then Haley throws up in Dan's crotch. Yes. Which I think is great. It's amazing. And it's he... pink. It's chunky. Exactly <laughs> the kind of vomit you want on Dan Scott's lap. Exactly. Yes. Um, I wrote, Haley pukes. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but it is yeah. amazing. I it love really it. Is. Meanwhile... Other daddy situation, Peyton and her dad are getting dinner at Karen's Cafe. Convenient. And... I fucking hate this part. Go ahead. Why? Go ahead. Talk about okay, the Okay, okay. So they're getting dinner, and he says that he has a job prospect that... I think it's going to, like, New Zealand or something, right? It is New Zealand, yeah. And so it's far away. That will take him away for, wait for it, three to four fucking months. I hate it. I hate everything about this. Let's talk about it. Because... He's going because it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, sweetie. Way more than I make now. Maybe we can afford that art school. Mentions he only wants to do it right, or do it if it's right for us. Mm -hmm. I can't help but think about my own life Mm. and how the idea... Okay, so here's the thing. She's been alone for who knows how long. How long has her mom been dead? Do we we know? She died seven years ago. Seven years? Wow, Mm -hmm. okay. I can't imagine leaving my kid alone for seven years, you know, months at a time. And, and I just, I remember certain times in my life when, like, I haven't had a parent around. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking about my dad specifically. And just, like, there were times that I would spend, like, every other weekend over there. because my parents were divorced. And sometimes, like, during the summer, I would spend, like, two weeks. But mm-hmm. there was also great stretches of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether that was my fault or his. It was his fault. You were the child. You know what I mean? I think about this. And how Peyton says it's okay and that he should go and he should do it. This is the kind of conversation that an adult has with a kid where the kid wants to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the parent has to like say, no, you should do this. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean, though? Like, if something were to come up at school to where they had uh, some kind of program where Peyton could go to New Zealand for, for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, like a stu- exchange student program like, or the something. The parent should be there. Like, you should do this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no way. That I think a parent should be like leaving, even if she is what 16, 17? I don't yeah. know if she is. Yeah. Alone, right? Not because of safety, mm-hmm. which is which is another thing. I mean, huge Craig, concern. She, she's alone for three to four months. That's a safety concern to to me also. This is a child protective services issue. I'm sorry, but it fucking is. But she's essentially being raised without a father at all. Without parents. Because her mom is dead. Yeah. And I just, I can't understand that. Okay, so here's the thing. We also have the parallel of Karen going away to Italy and how agonizing that was to Karen in terms of like, she really felt guilt about it. She really wasn't sure. She she thought it was selfish. She at least debated that, you know. That was six weeks with having a guardian come stay with Lucas, who is essentially his father figure anyway that is not even this is not even comparable to what Peyton goes through on a daily basis and what I mean you said for the last seven years I don't think this has been going on for seven years I'm I have often wondered at what age did Peyton reach that he started doing this because she's only 16 or 17 here 
and you don't get the impression that this just started, right? So, no, like, when did he start going away like this? And honest to God, with the predators out there, and, I mean, just take that away from it first. She is a child raising herself. I don't care if she's the most mature 16-year-old in the world. She doesn't know how to, like, maintain a home. Like, she's a child, you know? But then you add she's a teenage girl. There are predators out there. Anybody who could see her would know there's no parent there. There's no one else coming in and out with a car. She's literally alone. I mean, Christ, she leaves the front door unlocked. Right. And people just walk in. Right. I just, I, I don't like it. I don't like how the, I, I don't know. I just think it's like, obviously, I understand mm-hmm. that certain jobs exist the way they do and that it's hard. Like sometimes like this kind of stuff has happened in the world. Yes. For whatever reason they happen. But I don't feel like, like, well, we'll, we'll see what happens later Well, in the why episode. would you not though like relocate, like say you have no family, you have no other help, well, relocate with your daughter after your, your wife dies to a place where you have family who she could stay with people when you're gone. Like, there are ways. I'm sorry, there are ways around this. He's making enough money that they can live in that beautiful house. You know, like, she is not... They are not living in a in a difficult situation financially. They are okay enough that they could have scaled back to change the lifestyle so it made more sense. And yeah. I don't understand, just from a parental standpoint, you have so few years of the child in your home... How could anyone want to sacrifice this much time of the very limited space, especially somebody who is so warm? But we don't get the sense that Larry is like some distant and cold father that only cares about money. He is a warm, friendly, kind person who obviously has great affection and respect for Peyton. So like, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it bothers me. It bothers me a lot. Because I can't imagine, because it doesn't seem like he is trying to support his family and this is the only option you know what i mean Mm -hmm. this seems like a choice he says three to four months this time right Mm -hmm. so i i i think that before it's it's a couple weeks at a time usually supposedly Mm -hmm. but still when you're like i I just don't like it can you imagine three to four months we the alex and i have moved um a couple of times this year and the most recent time we moved was in september and we moved into our first house. So that is literally the length of time we've lived here. That he's not going to see his daughter. That's crazy. That is insane. I couldn't do it. Of course not. You're a human being with a heart. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts. As you do you. And I'm I'm glad we're talking about this. So at the cafe, though, more is happening at this cafe. Lucas walks in. Haley looks like shit. He says about Nathan to Haley. Because she basically is like clearly hungover. Set, and he's like, oh, I missed you in English or whatever. She's like, I didn't go or I kind of skipped or whatever. He's like, oh, I see. He's got you skipping school and shit. Talk to me when you get your tattoo removed. Yes. Perfect response. Boom. I love that response. Such a good response. (laughs) Yes, I love it. I said, don't be so judgmental, Lucas. Yeah. I mean, Christ, it was the first time she's probably, at least it seems that way. We don't know anything about Haley's life. I Mm -hmm. I don't know anything. And I just, that could be because I'm not paying attention. But... It seems like this is the first time she's ever done anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, dude, cut her some slack. But also, like, skipping school is like barely anything compared to getting a fucking tattoo and getting drunk at a bar when you're like in high school. That's true. Oh, granted, she guess she got drunk at the beach, but still. <laughs> um. So then Lucas leaves that little love fest and then goes and sits with Peyton and her dad, of course. 
Well, yeah, Peyton's dad actually calls Lucas over. Oh, you're right. Yeah. What happens? Well, he uh, sees Lucas carrying around his little books. Rake boy. Yeah, he does call him Rake boy. Mm -hmm. Well, he checks out Lucas's books, and he's like, oh, wow, books. I don't know what he says. You're well read. But he does check out his books. And that's when Brooke walks by outside. When the three of them are inside at the cafe sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. Because you can see... Peyton's dad like reaching over, taking one of Lucas's books, and they're like they're obviously talking about mm-hmm. them, right? Peyton's in the middle, she's laughing, looking at a book, like yeah. And then Brooke is walking by outside, and she's looking in, and seeing this, and you can see that Brooke is obviously feeling things about this. Yes, because this looks like somebody, like a boyfriend, hanging out with a girlfriend and her dad. A hundred percent. Brooke sees this. She's clearly hurt. She clearly walks away. And then immediately we go to the next scene, which is essentially Brooke in school the next morning confronting Lucas about this. I want to come back to this a sec because I have a thought about that. Let me just let's just talk about what happens here. So she confronts Lucas about it and is like, so what did you do last night or whatever? And you're probably with that blonde girl who always made me doubt. Yeah. She says like, oh, I saw that you were hanging out with Peyton and you looked pretty friendly with Peyton and her dad. And he's like, well, that's because we're friends. And she's like, really? Because it looked more like you were dating her than me. That's how fucked up is that? And then she walks away. Okay. So something I want to add. Brooke, it, it seemed to me like Brooke knew and had a plan to meet Lucas at Karen's Cafe. Why else would she be walking by there at that time looking in? Luke had, Luke had just gotten there a few minutes earlier. Presumably they were meeting up there, right? The only reason I might think that that's not the case. Uh-huh. It's just because he's shown up there after school so many times before mm-hmm. since it's his mom's cafe. And his best friend does work there. Yeah, that's true. So that because it wasn't mentioned like, oh, I missed you yesterday at the cafe. Mm-hmm. Maybe Lucas wouldn't have noticed. But yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? I was about to go on a rant about how they were supposed to meet up and then he didn't even like notice she didn't come. Yeah, I don't think that it was a planned thing because okay. I do think that Brooke would have walked in. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because I, otherwise, I think it would have been mentioned. Like, you didn't show up yesterday. Well, but that was my point, was, like, did he even realize she didn't show up, you know? But I think that that is fair, that it, it's true. It's his mom's place. He goes there all the time. Like, it's a very good bet that she would run into him there. So it isn't, like, now where people are texting all the time. Like, they really only talked in person or the occasional phone call, probably. Like, they really people really didn't text socially. Yeah, so you're right. They have the argument about Peyton. Mm-hmm. Then Peyton actually comes over, and Lucas, you know, starts talking to her. Yeah, so Brooke confronts Lucas. She gets very upset. She walks away. Lucas does not follow her, does not try to clarify anything, doesn't need to be understood, just stands there. Peyton walks over, starts talking about her feelings, and he is all fucking ears for that shit. He's definitely connecting emotionally to Peyton more. I mean, he's actually putting effort in with Peyton, so there's that. He could easily be connecting emotionally with Brooke right now if he just followed up with her and was like, hey, like... You don't. You have this all wrong. He literally could just like talk to her. He could just treat her like a person, and that would be more than what he's been doing. Oh, you know what I mean? Yes, I don't like it. But now we move on to the tutoring center, Mm -hmm. where we see Haley doing some math. Nathan walks in. Let's tackle some geometry, and it turns out that Haley has received an F because she actually missed. I think the day that they skipped school, mm-hmm. they missed a geometry th- or they missed some kind of test, right? Wasn't it was it like a quiz, I think. I think it was a, I don't know oh. if it was geometry. I don't remember any of that stuff that you just said. Well, I, I wrote down let's tackle some geometry. Maybe 
I'm pretty sure they said that. I don't remember that, but I do remember that he invites her to skip again. Yeah, because they want to go to something downtown. Yeah, I think it's some like concert or show yes. or something like that. Um, it's kind of weird to have a concert in the middle of the day, by the way, but yes, go ahead. Well, I don't know that it was downtown um, Tree Hill. I think it was in a different town. Maybe. I think he had mentioned like, oh, it's happening in this other place. And so maybe he figured like, oh, it's like two hours away. We'll drive there together. And then, you know, by the time, I don't know. That, I, I, that's that's what I thought it was at least. But, oh, but as they're getting up to leave, he discovers that she has this quiz or whatever that she failed. And honestly, Nathan seems upset about it. He's like, Haley, what is this? And she very much blows it off. Like, it doesn't matter. But I think it's nice that. Nathan cares. I think I think it's nice that he's noticing and that he is like stopping to be like registering it. We see that come back later in the episode too. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It is because he fell in love with, or he's falling in love with. I don't know which. Has he said love yet? I don't think he said love yet, but he's basically said everything but that. You know. Yeah, well, either way, he likes Haley because of you know she's a smart girl that mm-hmm. she he's seeing a little bit of a change there that he's not seen before. I mean, this is like one episode. What am I saying? Sure. He's seen one episode where she's got an F, but that's like totally unlike her. Well, I think what like he says later, which we'll cover, but is sort of like he sees her adapting to him and he would rather rise rise up to be like her than have her kind of come down to be more like him. Honestly, he just has a he really has a lot of respect for her as a person, I think, and doesn't want to like derail her from what she's doing. It's nice. You know, away from that, there's some different family dynamics going on with a couple of different storylines. So we see Larry and Peyton talking. It seems like, based on Peyton's conversation with Lucas earlier, that she's going to finally address with her dad, like, hey, I really don't want you to go. And as soon as she comes in and start doing that, he's like, oh, before you say anything, let me give you this gift. And it's some really expensive, um, like, art supplies, watercolors, I think, or pastels well, or something. I have here that it's also not only that, but he gives her a new webcam, too. Oh, that's right. With like two-way audio or something like that. So this is like an expensive webcam because I don't remember having a webcam that had audio. Well, that also speaks to explaining a little bit about, I know we've like talked about this before, that probably the reason she's on this webcam all the time is for her dad. But I think this kind of confirms that a little bit more, that she, part of the reason is because it makes her feel connected to her dad. He could watch anytime and check in with her and stuff. I forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just kind of thought of it now. As like I forgot about, about that. That could that's probably definitely the reason why. It makes it makes more sense than her just like doing like a performance art, like I've said in the past. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> um, nice. It is nice, but, but like it sucks because it may, puts Peyton in a really difficult position. He just bought her this stuff because of this job he's gonna take that makes all his money and like yeah, because he actually called in the morning, mm-hmm. and that's why he went out and got the webcam. That's why he went out and got those oil paints. Mm-hmm. And like Peyton wanted to talk about how shitty this was. I don't want you to go, but she didn't say it because once again, she's like hiding her true feelings to spare her parents. Yeah. Which is really shitty. Like a, really a kid sad. shouldn't have to do that. A kid should not have to do that. She takes on the weight of the world with her family. Yeah. It's but, very sad. On that note though, with families and parents and whatnot, we see Deb and Dan, they're trying their own couples counseling. Yeah. Because Nathan is MIA for this one. Yeah. Nathan. But I think that was planned because they were planned? like, I think it was planned that like, let's just like scale back and start with couples counseling and i like i don't remember how this is said but i think the the therapist says something like tell me about basketball and dan goes uh you put a ball through a hoop what do you think nathan gets out of it he gets structure and discipline 
and he gets to know that he's the best at something. And also, you can relive your past and feel good about yourself. Okay. Time out. That is the fucking truth of it, isn't it? I mean, it is. Yeah. That's like the whole reason he loves basketball. And I think the therapist, after all this, says, who are Dan and Deb Scott? Yeah. And then it kind of cuts over to Nathan now. Mm-hmm. Because I think, is that kind of like trying to show us that like these two people are like the product of Nathan? Like Nathan's, or Nathan's the product of these two people, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I guess like Nathan's basketball dreams, that's who Dan is. Mm-hmm. And then whatever else for, for Deb, I don't I, know. I think so, because the last question that the therapist asks in that scene, I don't think anybody ever answers, um, is outside of Nathan, what makes you work as a couple? And they're kind of just at a loss. And oh, was that the last question? I think asked? it was the last question. It might have been, who are you together? Like you had said, I, I don't know. But it's all about, it is kind of exactly what you're saying, where it's in reference to like their position as his parent or as yeah. his parents. Um, but yeah, Nathan is kind of wandering around the school, wandering around the gym. He runs into Whitey. Isn't it late at night too? I think it's, I mean, it's definitely after hours. I was. I would guess maybe like nine o'clock at night. Like, Which is crazy. Yeah. For I mean, honestly, I don't know how late they like practice and stuff. But like Whitey being there, I, I guess he could be watching like game, mm-hmm. game film and stuff like that for the next opponent. Well, Nate goes, don't you ever go home? And Whitey laughs, which I think is cute. And like, I really do like this talk that Whitey and Nathan have mm-hmm. because Nathan's pretty much bringing up the fact that he doesn't like really know like what to do about this game. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like Whitey says to him, like Nathan, nobody can make you do anything you don't really want to do. Do you really love this game? Which I yeah. I know Nathan replied, I do. I just hate what it's doing to my life. Oh, that's, yeah. That's something. That is really something. That's a very good little scene, I think, too, because I, if nothing else, I think what Whitey learned from this little hiatus they took away from basketball was like, oh, because even for Whitey, I think it's ultimately a love of the game and a love of like kind of educating and mentoring stu- these students more than winning. But I think it it slowly, even for Whitey, became about winning and became about like a record. And so his time away from it was also really important and rejuvenating. And he's trying to kind of pass that on to, to Nathan. Yeah, it's good. But then next, one of my favorite scenes from the entire episode, actually, just because of how fucking poignant it is, is it, we're at the school. I think it's, the, I'm assuming it's the next day because it's like daylight, right? Yeah, I think so. Peyton is drawing. She's sitting on a bench drawing or something. Brooke comes up to her and says, I don't know what I think. I'm sure you'll tell me. I think he's trying to have the best of both worlds. Who, Lucas? He uses you for some sort of intellectual slash emotional thing, and me, he just uses. Come on, you know he's not like that. He's a guy, Peyton. Okay, follow the nature trail, and they're all the same. Something I think is interesting about this Mm -hmm. is, tell me if you disagree with this. I will. But are we trying to, are we being led to believe before this episode, that Brooke is like this ditzy, not smart girl that's just purely sex. Mm-hmm. Like, she is showing, like, she's definitely in tune with what's going on. Yeah, she's not an idiot. Because she, like, clearly recognizes what's happening. Which is interesting because it kind of contrasts a little bit to previous scenes. Like, when they're having that little Mexican stare off <laughs> when Peyton's in there and Lucas and, and her in the bedroom. Yeah. Uh, ready to score superstar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she sees the weird look between Lucas and, and Peyton, and she doesn't seem to give it a second thought then. Yeah. But she is very clearly aware of what's happening now. 
because she hit it right on the head. Exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. She knows. Well, what I really like about this is that she's not blaming Peyton. I like that she comes up to Peyton and is like, listen, I think he's playing both of us kind of. He's using you to fulfill this side of himself and he's using me for this other thing. I like that she's confiding in Peyton and not blaming Peyton. She's not yelling at Peyton. She's not making it Peyton's fault. She's just like, we're in this together. He's using both of us in some way. But ultimately, I like that you pointed that out, that like we did start to get a better sense of who Brooke is because of that episode with the drugging and like how, and also the, yeah, because even that episode, she was like planning the dates for Nathan and Haley and she was being a really good friend to Peyton. But other than that, really all we do see about Brooke is fun and sex. We really don't see the depth in her. And I do think we're taught to think that she's kind of like ditzy and not really bright. And But you're right. She's very intelligent with this. Like she, I think the what she says is probably my favorite line of the, the episode solely because it is so on point with what's happening. I mean, obviously she is smart because I forgot about the date, like how she set it up. I mean, that is literally like the perfect date. Mm-hmm. Like so many people would enjoy that. Yeah. Because I, I think she's like very emotionally intelligent. Here. I think so too. Even if the writers don't always give her the... Like treat her that way? Treat her that way. Yeah. Like especially here now, mm-hmm. it should be obvious. I think I think Brooke has... I think she's a, she's a person that thrives on reading other people because she thrives on being liked and wanted. So in order to know how to be liked and wanted, she needs to know what other people like and want. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? That is her, that is all the value that she sees in herself is how other people respond to her. So to be a person like that, she has to really pay attention. Whereas like Peyton, for example, is very inward. You know, she's very self-focused. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that's just the reality. Like she's a, she's more of an introvert. She's much more focused on her own expression, whatever. So I like that we, I agree with you completely. I hate so much about this because it's painful. But anyway. Well, now we move on. Mm-hmm. Peyton's dad, Larry, is installing the new webcam software, and he's poking his nose around the Peyton's room a little bit, checking out her art. Mm-hmm. And this is where, we, we mentioned it earlier, where mm-hmm. Lucas shows up. The doorbell broken, boy. Break boy <laughs> yeah. And this is where Lucas gives Peyton's comic to him. And it really makes Larry think, because of the comic mm-hmm. that he sees is this picture of I think it was a girl standing in front of like this dock mm-hmm. and you saw this ship that was like at the dock getting further and further and further away as each, um, as the comic strip went on. Yeah. And then he also has his eye on the art on the wall yes. of the three stoplights of the, the red stoplight mm-hmm. that says people always leave. Yeah. So even though it should have been obvious before that this would affect somebody, I think he is seeing in her art how this has affected her. Yeah, I wrote that down too. Like, her room is incredibly cool. Like, it is so... Like, I tried to emulate this room so much when I was in high school by just, like, letting my, like, feelings just, like, splatter all over the walls. That said, though, I just want to acknowledge that her room looks amazing in this episode. Beyond that, any fucking person could walk into that room and see that there are major signs of sadness, loneliness, depression, struggling... They are all, they are so blatantly obvious. Yeah. You know, like he's lying to himself if he's pretending not to see this. My other question though is like, what the fuck is, is Lucas doing here? He, it appears that he's only came to show that comic to his dad. Well, yeah, but he doesn't know that Peyton's not going to be here. 
I mean, I thought that he was coming to see Peyton, and then it just turned out that Larry was there, and he ends up showing it to him. Like, but maybe you're right. Maybe he intentionally was coming to see Larry. I, I don't know. I mean, well, because he's kind of trying to act like the the savior boyfriend. Oh God, you know what yeah. I mean? Like his girlfriend, I'm putting in air quotes, is confiding in about how much she hates that you know he's leaving, and Lucas wants to save the day to make her life better. He's That's also just inserting himself everywhere, though. Like, yeah. Well, we move on, and we actually brought this up earlier, mm-hmm. but Nathan starts talking to Haley at school, and he apologizes to her. Why does he apologize, honey? Well, this is like the next day, I think, and they had a now had at least two skip days where they skipped for one reason or another, and it is still eating away at Nathan that she didn't do well in the quiz and you know, seemingly is not as responsible as she once was. And so he pulls her aside and very maturely has a very mature conversation with her about how he doesn't like want her to change. He really likes her. He doesn't want her to change. Um, all I really wrote for the scene was that it's nice. I mean, that's what it is. I wrote the real Haley. I don't want to see her change. Mm-hmm. And that is really good. Like you can definitely see. I mean, it's crazy. The difference. This Nathan versus Nathan episode one. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like who he's starting to become. Mm hmm. And how he he does not because I think Nathan in episode one, if he would have been interested in Haley, he would have been into it for his own selfish delight. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, he is definitely concerned about like the effects that his uh, I don't know I want to say bad behavior, but you know what I mean. His bad influence kind of yeah. was rubbing off, and he doesn't want Haley to be that way because he wants to rise up, just like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. So that's very very good. But now this is where I think that we finish the Lucas and Peyton and Peyton's dad story. You're line. right. This is this is the ending of the saga of that little love triangle because, <laughs> between Lucas, Peyton, and Larry. Yeah, because Lucas is still there. Mm-hmm. This seems like it's probably like hours later. Yes. But Lucas is still there and Peyton comes home. And Lucas and Larry are just hanging out. And you see that Larry is actually packing a bag. Because when is he leaving, honey? Tonight. He is leaving tonight. He was supposed to stay until when, though? I honestly don't remember. Was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday. Was it? Baby. You're so good. Well, what can I say? Well. And then, like, she's, you know, Peyton's surprised. Because, like, why are you leaving tonight? And when he went out and found a three-week gig. Because he wants to take on nothing but local gigs after that. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. He found a three-week gig. Then after, he's only going to focus on local. I'm just kind of surprised. That that wasn't always the plan if it was an if it was an option. Well, the other one was a lot more money, I guess. and so it was about the money. That's the impression I get. It was about the money. I don't know. I guess when it comes to the people I love, I would rather spend more time than with a little bit less money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. A little well, bit see, less this is this why industry. I'm glad that we're married. <laughs> you know, because I'm the same way as a person. I have compassion for Larry because he's doing this whole thing on his own. You know, no wife, no no mother to help, you know, all that. But let's just say this is a good good choice on Larry's part, you know? This is a good choice. Yeah, this is a nice a nice choice. I, I will say, and I don't think this is a huge spoiler to say, I don't know how consistent the show is with keeping this fact in mind that he's changing his work schedule and so that he's more local, but... I don't know if, if it's consistent or if they... Maybe they just don't show him that much because like you know i've seen the show and i remember mm-hmm. like we don't see the dad as much as you would think after this kind no of revelation i mean there's several see there's several things left with him still that even in the season but yeah I, I get what you're saying 
during this whole thing, though, while she's talking to Larry and all this stuff, Lucas is kind of still there, just sort of waiting in the wing um, until he can talk to Peyton again or whatever, which I just wrote, like, why are you there, Lucas? And then Peyton says to him, you know, you really need to talk to Brooke. And I kind of hate this. Peyton says, listen, you should probably talk to Brooke. She's convinced she's not being a good enough girlfriend. Which is not what the fuck Brooke said. Yeah, you're right. I get that she's trying to, like, protect Lucas or she's trying to make it sound better and she doesn't want to get in the middle or whatever. But it is, like, not even close. She's not, that is not the situation. But anyway, that all said, Lucas ends up going home and he sees poor Brooke is sitting on the porch. And I think the first thing she says to him when he walks up is something like, he said you were at Peyton's again. And then she asks if they can talk. She does ask. And Brooke, like, just, like, what is the problem? Can we talk? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if we have a problem or if I have a problem. What's the problem? In a nutshell, you're you and I'm me. Yeah, but if I was you, then you'd be dating yourself. What I mean is I do what I do, and I like what I like, and that's just who I am. I know. That's what I love about you. Okay, but the music that you listen to and the books that you read, I'm not into any of that stuff. And I never asked you to be. Okay? You know, I kind of enjoy the fact that we're different. Which is interesting because they're completely different. Yeah. They're completely different. And also, what is he enjoying other than the sex? Because he is getting all of his emotional fulfillment from Peyton. So, like, does he just not have an interest in an emotional relationship with Brooke? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't really understand this. I think it's nice that he says this to her. Like, hey, it's okay that you're not all these things. I, I do like these things about you. But I was texting with my sister the other day about this episode. And she pointed out, when Brooke is saying the books that you're into and the books that you read, I'm not into that stuff. Lucas says, I never asked you to be. My sister pointed out, well, actually, he kind of did when he said you had to read The Grapes of Wrath. Um, you know which I I mean it made me I agree with her but it also kind of made me laugh because like obviously it wasn't like a true exchange or something um I do think he was just just genuinely wanting to share something with her but I hate this part because Brooke ends up saying sorry about this whole thing she ends up saying sorry and I said don't say sorry Brooke that's what I wrote but then she says it's just that you're the first really great guy that I've ever dated and that really scares me because I never gave a rat's ass before. And she is like basically in tears while she's saying this. I feel bad for Brooke. I hate it. Like she definitely deserves better right now. She is being so vulnerable and so real and she's so scared and she fucking puts him on a pedestal of him being this great guy. And anytime you put someone on a pedestal, that's a bad thing. But also like the fall will be that much worse, right? Yeah. Um, It just kills me. And all he says in response with his little fucking smirk is, well, I give a rat's ass about you too. I I just, show don't tell. You know what I mean? (laughs) I learned that from my beautiful wife. Well, what do you mean by that? Can you explain? He can say whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. But in the end of the day, he needs to show it. Everything he's doing with Peyton, all of the questions and the emotional burrowing Mm -hmm. into her soul, he needs to do that with Brooke. Well, and he would be if he really cared about her. You know? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, you can constantly say this stuff, but 
but it doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. until you show it, until you do it. It doesn't mean anything taking her to a library to talk about your interests mm-hmm. when you never ask her where she would go on a day or an afternoon just to, what would you do mm-hmm. if I weren't here? And then go with her there. Yeah. You know, would I go back to my room and, I don't know, watch Peyton's webcam for two hours? <laughs> yeah. I have done that. But you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, now, this is getting towards the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But Nathan meets Dan at the beach house, where Nathan comes up and he apologizes. Nathan's really grown, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, he's going to Haley and apologizing for pulling her out of class, because he doesn't want to see her change. He's going to his dad, whom he loathes, and apologizing. How will we get through this? And in the first time, I think, during this entire series that we've seen so far, mm-hmm. Dan actually says something that a father should. I've noted down here. Maybe mm-hmm. I miss maybe I miss something because he always ends up coming back to being terrible. But Dan says that no matter what he does or decides, that he is proud of him. Yeah. And he says, I love you. And that's kind of honestly it was one of the better moments for me because it's so unexpected. Mm-hmm. Because it never came back to basketball. Yeah, I mean it looks like Dan's gonna cry, honestly. Like he it's it's a very I mean, I had the thought that it's possible this is the first time he's ever said it to him in his life. Maybe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's very possible that Dan has never said this before, this moment. That's really sad. It would make sense at this moment because this is when his like his marriage is on the line, his relationship with Nathan is on the line. Like this is the kind of high stakes situation where if he's ever gonna say it, this might be the place where it would come out, you yeah. know, where he actually feels threatened a little bit. So yeah, that's a really touching scene. Well, then Nathan, he leaves from there and he goes to the river court. And that's when Lucas arrives and he finds Nathan out there shooting a couple baskets. Mm -hmm. And turns out Nathan showed up looking for Lucas. And he tells him that he is done. And he passes the ball to Lucas and he walks away. Nathan is done with basketball. Yeah, he's like, you wanted my life, man. Here you go. That's the last true scene of the episode. Otherwise, it's just basically a montage of like final moments with people. Like we see Jake is trying to comfort Jenny. He ends up giving her the keys, kind of like calling back to Peyton. We see um, Deb is looking at Nathan's empty room. Peyton's leaving the light on for her dad. Lucas and Brooke are making out in a car. Dan is sitting and being sat at a beach house. Nathan is ripping his name off of the locker and throwing it into the trash can. Whitey watches him walk away. And that's basically it. Like these are all just like a quick montage, very, very quick. Showing where everybody's kind of ending up at the end of this episode. And that's basically it. And the only thing I have a problem with there Mm -hmm. is just Lucas and Brooke in that car. Yeah. Because I feel like they're immediately falling right back into, it's one of those things where Lucas, show, don't tell. It would have been better if they were, I don't know, watching some movie that Brooke liked. Doing some, you know, Mm -hmm. what would have been really good is if they were doing that date. If they showed them, I don't know, sitting at the, the little... Riverside place mm-hmm. where Haley and Nathan were. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think there's a reason they showed it the way it is. Yeah. Well, we'll find out, I guess, as, as time goes on. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. That's it. That's it. That's what'd pretty you, much the episode. What do you think, honey? It's a pretty good episode. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. I, I think it's, there's some things I like about it. There's some things that, like, I, I think it's doing a lot. I don't, I don't know. It pissed me off more this week than I have been in the past when I've watched this. So, mm-hmm. You know, it like I do think it's good for the story. So it is. I didn't think it was that bad. I think I would rate this maybe a six or a seven out of ten. I mean, those are pretty low scores. I don't think they're low, honey. It's just that 
I don't know. You know what I should do? I should look ahead, look at the episodes of One Tree Hill, figure out which ones would I rewatch, give those all high ratings, and mm-hmm. give the other ones lower. Because it's not a bad episode. That's what I'm trying to say here. It's not bad. It's not a three out of ten, right? Those are probably going to be saved for later in the series. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I don't look at this episode and get excited about it. There are certain episodes that I do. I don't think a seven is bad. No, I mean, I I, I think a good measure is, like I've said this before, but like, do we want to watch the next episode? Are we excited to watch the next episode? I am. I am. What if we stop this arbitrary rating system mm-hmm. and we go with, would you rewatch it or not? Yeah. Just randomly. Would you randomly rewatch this? Randomly, no. Me either. Yeah. Randomly rewatch, no seeing it do i want to watch more yes so it is an effective episode but the rewatch value not as high yeah yeah and i think we decided like we're not gonna i think we decided last week that we're not gonna spend too much time on like favorite character until somebody like stands out right oh i don't remember maybe we decide that i thought i know we talked about that with quotes but i don't know if we talked about that with characters well who's your favorite character <laughs> um I, I probably Brooke, honestly, this this episode. I think I just was really drawn into her arc in this episode. I, I'm interested in her performance. I really like Sophia Bush's performance throughout the episode. I think Brooke's um, struggle goes from at first being lighthearted to at the end being kind of broken. And I think watching that trajectory over the course of the episode is really interesting. So it's like she's one of my favorites, not because she, you know, did she, she did not have a good episode. You know, this was not a good time for her. But I liked following. I was very interested in her experience in this episode. Yeah. I mean, Nathan has been the one I've been the most interested in the last couple of episodes. I'm still very interested in Nathan's experience right now. But I was definitely the most interested in how Brooke was feeling in this episode. I think I'd probably agree with that. Yeah? Yeah, because while I love seeing Nathan's, like Nathan post-basketball, like he's a completely different person, mm-hmm. you know. So that's very interesting to watch and very interesting to see. But, it is. But I was most interested in seeing this little triangle because I love drama. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I was very interested to see how like this character goes like this confident, super confident, sexy Brooke mm-hmm. is being shaken. Because you know, I think she wonders a little bit, is it Peyton? Is it me? Mm-hmm. And then, like we said, we know how smart she is. But then... Lucas is kind of gaslighting her a little bit. I just, I like the whole story yeah. all around. Well, everything in her is telling her what's actually happening. I mean, she she hit the nail on the head earlier in the episode about how he's using them each for a certain type of fulfillment. So, like, she, we know that she, well, I mean, I don't need to go into it again, but we we know that she yeah. is, uh, you know, she knows what's going on. Sophia, so, if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> which I doubt. She would never, but, but yeah. If you do, ever. Yeah. Great job. Great job. Way to go. (laughs) We liked it. Well, I think that's it, Lena. I think that is it. Well, we appreciate everybody sticking around. And it is almost the new year. Yes, it is. So I think we want to say to everybody, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. We hope everything goes well for you. We hope you had a great year to begin with. Absolutely. And we hope that hopefully you stick with us. (laughs) New Year's resolution, listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Then again, the people listening this far in already doing it so what can i say thank you very much continue (laughs) we appreciate you guys sticking with us for this long and i think that's it i think so too well this was alex and this was lena and this was getting mouthy